Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another episode of F1 Chat Corner, the podcast where we bring you everything F1. Keep a beverage handy because it will get a little masaledar in this podcast series. My name is Ansh and in this episode, we're going to be talking about hunger. We're going to be talking about chaos. We're going to be talking about being broke. And we're going to be talking about <laughs> Gotham's appetite. For the rain. He is hungry to talk about the Hungarian Grand Prix. Gotham, how are you? I don't know if it's the Hungarian Grand Prix or all your mention of masalas and charts and beverages and everything that's made me hungry, man. That's probably because it's lunchtime here. I'm really, really hungry. So yeah, let's get on with the Hungarian Grand Prix so that I can <laughs> have some lunch. <laughs> big surprise, Hungarian Grand Prix. Big, yeah. big surprise. Wasn't expecting a Mercedes uh, victory. No, absolutely not. I mean, judging from from the practice session, it was absolutely all Ferrari completely dominating the entire weekend, it looked like. Or at least it was going to be a close fight um, between Ferrari and Red Bull, the way it was going. Mm. And then the rain had the other ideas. Yeah, and I was quite surprised that uh, Ferrari had no answers to to the Mercedes pace in in qualifying in the rain. I don't know how Hamilton was doing that. That you saw the analysis lap. that Hamilton was giving of his lap. What did you think? Uh, <laughs> I think we talked about this offline. I So I, I saw the... First of all, it's so awesome to see the rain come down on the qualifying session. It changes everything in the grid. Uh, Ferrari were not dominant anymore. It gave the Toro Rosses a chance to come up the field. Uh, Carlos Sainz proved how effective he was in the rain and he qualified P5, which was impeccable by him. Uh, Pierre Gasly showing some raw talent in the rain as well and Hartley not doing so bad as well. So I really liked how it mixed up the field. Toro Rosso doing uh, better than Red Bull. Yes, exactly. Toro Rosso doing better than both Red Bulls, which is amazing. Uh, a horrendous, horrendous qualifying session for Daniel Ricciardo. I don't know. They they messed up their tyre combinations. They messed up their balance, the setup. They just couldn't get the rain figured out at all. And he had to start from P12, which was quite disappointing to see. Uh, in qualifying, uh, but Lewis Hamilton, man, I um, after every qualifying session and after every pole lap, I don't have enough words to praise what a master he is uh, when it comes to the one lap pace that he can prove. I mean, it's just it's impeccable the, the things he can pull off, and he was doing that in the rain so perfectly. And it's so funny. The next day, Sky Sports got him for an interview to kind of go over the final lap that put him on P1. And it was crucial because uh, Kimi Raikkonen was actually putting some really good sector times and Valtteri Bottas uh, was also on fire uh, in the rain. And he was talking about how in the previous laps, he actually was able to understand where there was grip on the track. And he went through the entire motion with Anthony Davidson. Um, And the one adjustment he made which was just such a minute adjustment but made all the difference uh, was on the final corner all the drivers were going wide into the apex and then exiting uh, right off of the apex to get in on the straight Lewis Hamilton did the exact opposite he decided to take a not so wide line into the apex and actually went away from the beaten path, so to speak, and decided to go on the inside to get a faster uh, exit 
uh, onto the straight. And what that did was it made him come quicker into the edge of the straight where there was more grip apparently, that's what he found from his previous laps. And he said that itself gave him at least a hundredth of a second over Bottas or any of the other racers. I mean, point being, to find these minute adjustments in such a in short, such treacherous conditions, yeah. yeah, in such chaotic environments, is impeccable. That that is Schumacher-esque, almost. <laughs> <laughs> so it was amazing, and uh, hats off to him. Man. That was that was one hell of a qualifying session, and he completely deserved to be starting on pole. And he carried it over onto the race day, onto race day as well. Uh, both Mercedes hmm. getting off the line pretty well. Um, yeah. very, quite surprising because Ferraris have been very good off the line uh, off late in, in, in the recent races. Um, yes. Both Sebastian Vettel and Kimi Raikkonen have been making really fast starts. Even though there's a very interesting statistic that um, Raikkonen since 2013 has never made a place uh, up the grid in the opening lap of, uh, opening lap of, a, of a Grand Prix. Very interesting. It's a very interesting stat. Yep. Uh, doesn't bode well, too well for Raikkonen. Um, no. But uh, there you go. And uh, in fact, you, you see Mercedes actually getting caught out by just how fast the Ferrari start uh, off the line um, when the lights go out. Uh, we saw that in Silverstone and we saw that in, in uh, a couple of races before that as well. I think in France that was uh, mm-hmm. also where the Ferrari started off really really well. But this time they weren't so good. Um, the, um, Raikkonen came under attack by Vettel. Um, Vettel manages to pass him, and then uh, then it's pretty much a standard formation with uh, uh, with Lewis yeah, Bottas. Yeah, it be- became a pretty boring race after that, didn't it? It did, it did, and I've been quite surprised that Kimi's been getting the first call to box of the past two races again. Yes, what was that? Quite surprising. Threw me completely off guard. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I, I guess it makes sense in a way because um, Vettel was. On the soft, he started on the on the soft tire on the medium uh, yellow yellow compound, while most of the other front runners they started all on the uh, purple ultra softs, and so it was quite mm. clear what Vettel's strategy was to go long and then attack at the end with the ultra soft tires, and I think that had Mercedes worried uh, for a while, and um, exactly what happened, mm. Raikkonen pits, and then they had to pit Bottas to cover him off uh, to prevent the undercut. And uh, Vettel was in second, Hamilton leading, and then Hamilton goes into pits, and then Vettel has the lead. And he's driving for about 30 laps, and it was simply brilliant from from um, from Mercedes Bottas. after that, from Bottas, because he put yeah. in some stunning lap times uh, and cut Vettel's lead um, from 20 to 23 seconds to about just under. Uh, just about 20 seconds which is mm-hmm. uh, the time taken to enter the pits um, do your stop change your tires exit the pit and then come out onto the straight um, of course he was helped a little bit because Vettel was hindered by back markers there was a stat mm-hmm. that I saw that Carlos Sainz apparently ignored around 21 blue flags before letting Sebastian Vettel no, I think pass it was- 21 was it? My God, I thought it was nine blue flags or something like that. Oh, well, he, he, ignored, yeah, right. a, he ignored a he very was, high number of uh, blue flags. Yeah, it was a high number. <laughs> before finally letting Vettel yeah. go through. I'm surprised Sainz didn't end up with a penalty yeah. over there. Uh, yeah, and yeah, Vettel just lost an inordinate amount of time um, stuck behind the back markers. And in Budapest, it's quite hard to follow cars around as well. Uh, right. And so he lost a lot of time. Ferrari called him in on, on lap 29 to change his tyres. And uh, they messed up his pit stop, man. That was in such a crucial moment. They, uh, he had a problem. The mechanics had a problem putting on his his front le- front left, 
I think it was, mm-hmm. and that allowed uh, that, was crucial. that one yeah. second or so allowed, or half a second allowed Bottas to to sneak in front of Vettel, and then now Vettel had everything to do. He had to um, now not only forget forget the lead because Hamilton was already in the lead, and it's quite clear that Hamilton wasn't going to stop again. Uh, mm-hmm. And getting past Bottas in this track was always going to be really tough, even on worn tires, as we saw towards the end. But uh, Vettel still managed it. Uh, maybe some interesting tactics by Bottas there, where the red mist just descended on him <laughs> to see a Ferrari going past him around the outside. That too. Yeah. Uh, but that's yeah. A, that, I, I still think that was a racing incident. I don't think that was too bad. But what he did with Daniel Ricciardo was uh, absolutely stupid. That that was just yeah, that Bottas completely losing control of himself. I think uh, in the moment, and uh, he. he so sort of locked his tires and then I mean you could Bro, see the it, helicopter uh, shot Bottas just how much is, space Ricardo <laughs> left him Bottas is antics and reminded Bottas, me of uh, and also the, the comments of uh, Toto Wolf after the race of saying that uh, Bottas was an was an amazing wingman to Lewis Hamilton it reminded me of the movie Shole <laughs> where where Jay is uh, you know kind of almost the sacrificial lamb helping Viru survive and not die but in the same time he almost sacrificed himself by by i don't know all the blows that he took his car took uh, all the times he just stayed and you know defended vettel it was almost like he was like it, at the end of it it almost looked like potas was bloodied and almost dead trying to protect lewis hamilton it was funny it reminded me of the movie shole for those of you who don't know what I'm, ta- what I'm talking about you should probably watch uh, shole because it's the best bff movie out there <laughs> Love that movie, man. Love it. Thanks for the plug, Ant. Uh, we've gone from Formula One to Bollywood. That's that's quite a transition. Oh man, we're all over everything. <laughs> we're an F1 podcast, not a Bollywood podcast. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and then that's how the race ended with Hamilton P1, um, Sebastian mm-hmm. Vettel P2, and and Kimi Raikkonen P3. Amazing drive by Raikkonen. Uh, didn't have his water bottle connected by his uh, by his mechanics uh, before the start of the race, and so he was driving uh, without any water. And then came the very surprising news from Marcus Ericsson, which said that he hasn't had a water bottle in over two years. That's crazy, and and you, and you know that, why? Yeah? That completely floored me. I don't know how you can drive in such crazy conditions without mm. water. And apparently, it's because it's because uh, he's a taller driver, so they have to do away with the uh, water bottle to allow for two extra kgs uh, uh, for the entire weight of the car and the driver, which is. That's it's crazy that silly, a water that, bottle makes such a big difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's silly and crazy at the same time. So, man, props to Marcus Ericsson. I mean, we critique well the done, driver Marcus and Ericsson. everything, but man, as a tall driver, I guess you are at a disadvantage. So, amazing. But yeah, but besides that, uh, Max Verstappen coming out with some very colorful language uh, for good reason. When though, he right? had to, for very good reason. When he had to, when he had to retire his Red Bull, yeah. Very good reasons, and uh, Christian Horner was didn't mince his words. Uh, he was actually doing. He was. Uh, they were. He was being interviewed by uh, the Sky Sports commentary yeah. team uh, during the race when when Max Verstappen had to retire, and uh, that was pretty shocking. It was um, funny that Christian Horner was being interviewed by Sky Sports <laughs> during both the incidents involving his cars. First, uh, Max yeah. Verstappen's exit, and then afterwards, it was. Bottas running into Ricardo, and he had colorful yeah. language for both those occasions. It was just funny. Yeah, <laughs> uh, great, great drive by Pierre Gasly, by the way. Quick mention to him. Also, yeah, yeah, 
Also, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's a good time to get into our awards. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, let's start off with the overtake of the weekend. And I know this was a little bit, um, I, I want to say, could have been, a, it was a little controversial, but I have to give it to Sebastian Vettel for his move on Valtteri Bottas. Um, people don't realize how difficult it is to overtake in Hungary, especially uh, with the current aero setup of the cars where turbulent air is a huge factor and it's almost impossible to follow a car uh, within 0.5 of a second. So considering everything, it was almost crucial for the championship for Vettel to get past Bottas and do damage control because there was no way of him reaching Lewis Hamilton uh, after the blunder of pit stops that Ferrari had throughout the race. So good move by Vettel of to kind of take uh, some risks and some gambles and made it stick. Uh, caught Bottas off guard, overtook him on the uh, on the outside despite the Finn's defense. That was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give that to Sebastian Vettel. The Chakas moment of the weekend. Um, man, this was a tough one, but I have to give this to Lewis Hamilton. I think his wet lap was Chakas, man. And I've already talked about why it was Chakas. So... Chakka's moment of the weekend goes to Lewis Hamilton. Yes, it's surprising. I don't know what's happening in the air. I'm all praised for Lewis Hamilton today. Um, and then finally, uh, the driver of the weekend. This was this was a tough one because there were three contenders. Maybe you can help me with this one. The three contenders Lewis are one. Hamilton. Sorry? Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton, for sure. Um, Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly. And Fernando Alonso. Really? Yeah, I mean, I know he had a very event-free weekend, except the uh, <laughs> the entertaining radio conversation that he had in, in the qualifying session. But <laughs> he he ended up, um, I think, it was P eight, like position eight for the race, and he was throughout the weekend just outperforming that McLaren. I mean, if you just compare the times that Van Dorn was putting, and this is nothing new. This is nothing that. We haven't seen from Fernando before, but uh, it was just impeccable to see how good he is in a race car. And again, you know, one of those disheartening moments to see him struggle with uh, just trying to grab championship points for the McLaren team. But I think his eighth position was rather impressive. But you I think, think let's give. Impressive? You think it's more impressive than Daniel, Daniel Ricciardo's drive from 12th to fourth? All those dive bombs, man! All those him. dive bombs. Oh man! And Daniel I think Ricardo. he did get the driver of the day. Uh-huh. He probably did get the driver of the day, yeah. But yeah. we don't do it. We don't do it that way. We have yeah, our we don't own do special criteria. Way. Yeah, we don't yeah. do it F one way. I think let's give it to Pierre Gasly, man. I think I'm gonna give it to Pierre. Hartley Gasly. well deserved, yeah. I mean, Hartley, Hartley well also. Hartley is also in a good starting position, but uh, mm-hmm. his highest starting position actually mm-hmm. his entire Formula One career. And uh, he couldn't make it count, unfortunately. But Pierre Gasly did, didn't put a foot wrong. Uh, everything went off perfectly. This time, his team got his strategy calls also spot on. So, well driven, Pierre Gasly. The young well guys done. are really doing well. Yeah, loving it. Loving it. Speaking of young guys, um, I think someone who hasn't, who's not probably feeling young and is probably feeling completely aged is Sergio Perez. For everything <laughs> that's happening with Force India. I mean, he's definitely got some gray hair on him if not losing hair with the, the debacle do you want to get into that oh my god Sergio Perez no one knows what, what motivated him I mean there's Sergio Perez's explanation and then there's uh, 
Bob Fenley's explanation for for the events and frankly I don't know what to believe. It's quite crazy. It's it's pretty shocking that this happened just before the Grand Prix itself, um just for the weekend. Yeah. Um we all heard the news that Force India has now gone into administration because Sergio Perez had, had sued the company as he is essentially owed uh, unpaid uh, well, his salary hasn't been paid. Um so basically 40 million dollars. That's really what he's sued for. That's exactly crazy. and as it works, uh, Perez brings in the sponsorship and um all the sponsorship money that comes into Force India, he gets a part of that as as an income for for being a driver of Force India and he wasn't paid what he was due. Uh Mercedes wasn't paid um for the engines either. Uh that's also a long uh, long history of unpaid bills there. Mm-hmm. And so Sergio Perez finally said that he was acting in interest of the team because there were talks of a a hostile takeover of the team possibly uh, shutting down the jobs of 400 employees uh, being on the line and that apparently a couple of people a few people from the team came up to him and asked him to do something about it and so he had the best interests of the team in his heart uh, which led him to to suing Force India and uh, essentially putting it into administration that allows Force India to continue to operate and uh, while a new buyer is being found and and a takeover to actually happen uh, mm-hmm. but then bob fenley comes out and says that this is a bit surprising uh, vijay malia was also caught off guard mm-hmm. uh, apparently a lot of people are catching vijay malia off guard and yeah. uh, and uh, and so he said that this is essentially a bit of a uh, a blindsiding from from sergio perez and no one expected this to happen and so, it's caught, catching me blindsided as well is catching me off guard too because Vijay Mallya had a has had I don't know had a 45 42.5% stake in this team. Oh, he still does. That's, and he still does uh until a new buyer or a new investor comes in. Uh so to to kind of keep him in the off the loop and end up doing this is quite surprising for me. Um also with especially surprising because there were talks of him kind of having the situation under control um and also rumors of um of I believe uh Stroll Lance Stroll's father being a potential investor in the team um so to have that plan B in place and you know things almost looked as if Force India could have recovered through the season but with this coming into news all of a sudden is actually a bit of a shocker but i we knew that something was going to happen there was maybe in investment changes there will be ownership changes but to completely go into administration does throw quite a lot yeah, of I mean let's be let's be honest situation is i mean everyone knows this force india has been uh, operating way outside of their means for a long time now they've been they've they were very lean and they, many people were commending them for for being such a well run outfit even with just yeah. 400 employees with a very very shoestring budget to be able to um build a car as as good as it was last season uh, actually for mm-hmm. the past two three seasons in fact uh mm-hmm. force india has very clearly been outperforming um everyone else besides uh the top 3 And so essentially the you know there are two camps always punching above the, their weight so well, to speak yeah. that cliche dialogue Yeah well yeah. there are sort of two camps one is the Malia camp Malia and his loyalists who felt that they had everything under control and that there was a plan and that there was no need to to really sell the team just yet uh, because it is also true that Vijay Malia was unwilling to or rather he was rather reluctant to listen to offers 
And then there's the other side, the creditor side, uh, like uh, Sergio Perez, like Mercedes, like BWT, mm-hmm. who wanted their money, essentially. Absolutely. For good reasons. For good reasons. And uh, so, of course, there's a big conflict there, even though Perez said that he did it in the interest of the team. It remains to be seen because then we saw the tweet from uh, Rich Energy who said that uh, they were quite shocked and upset that Perez went and did this because they had lined up uh, $30 million worth of funding um, which they were going to which the they were going to send yeah. to to uh, force India and which would have helped them uh, pay off some of their debts at least and to keep the company. Meanwhile, the other complication also as we talked about uh, Sergio Perez uh, forcing the team into administration is that the team actually needs the approval of all the other teams before getting a name change or getting this new uh, change in ownership in the situation, getting out of administration. And Renault, Williams and McLaren have actually decided not to approve uh, this this thing to go you know, you know what this reminds so me of? Is, you know what this reminds me of? Yeah. This reminds yeah. me of every parliamentary discussion that happens in New Delhi. You know, <laughs> someone comes out with a proposal for a really good bill that's going to help people, bring in development, do some good things. And then you always have some idiot politicians standing up and blocking it on, I don't know, on stupid reasons like, oh, my community will get affected, this people there, those people there. Nailed it. It just reminds me of the Indian <laughs> parliament. You know, yeah, and hashtag at, nailed it, at, the end of, <laughs> at the end of the day, nothing ever gets done. Nothing ever gets done. Yep. And Absolutely. I was I was pretty angry to see McLaren, uh, Williams and Renault uh, sort of blocking this move for a takeover by another team. And as you so rightly mentioned, according to the rules, all the other nine teams have to agree to this. Uh, and on the face of it, the reason why uh, McLaren, Renault and Williams said no it would appear to be that uh, if Force India, if this takeover didn't happen and Force India were to be a defunct team, they were to go out of business, then there's more prize money going around for, for all the other constructors. Um, which is what makes it so, which is why I'm, I'm saying you nailed if, it. If that is exactly the reason, we don't know yet because this just broke today. Yeah. And uh, there's no reason that's officially been discussed as to why these three teams have vetoed this move. Uh, but the rule is that if uh, if this team goes defunct, then all the sh- revenue share and the um, constructors' um, bonuses uh, that they're due uh, would not go to Force India, but it would go to the other teams and it would be split equally amongst the other teams. And this is also what happened in 2016 when uh, the then Manor F1 team went uh, bankrupt and they shut up shop and uh, they didn't get uh, what they were supposed to get um, for being for participating in formula one for for more than two seasons and so all the other teams ended up with uh, with essentially sharing the spoils of manners uh, manners due and which is insane because right now if if this disapproval is not negotiated upon and if the disapproval stays until the belgian grand prix you're looking at Force India missing out on $150 million that, of money that they won't be able to get out of TV revenue and prize money under the new name. And on top of that, you have 400 employees who are looking at all of a sudden no jobs. Well, exactly. Not yeah. to mention now there's an entire team that may not take the grid for the Belgian Grand Prix, a team that has been impeccable, like you said, considering their lean financial situation for a number of years and being the or, and being in the contention for the coveted best of the rest 
uh, title. So pretty dire situation. And, and pretty it's, dire situation. I don't think it's a coincidence that the teams that are objecting are the teams that have been completely outperformed by Force India. You know, it's almost like exactly. It's, it's almost a, a stab in the back. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Not to see this. Because these are the guys. These are the guys who are expected to perform way better than uh, than these guys have done so far. So uh, I'm quite surprised to see this. Yeah. And two of them being works teams. That's even more surprising. I mean, and Renault. Yeah. And Renault. I mean, Renault being a works team. I mean, they have all the cash and financial uh, leverage that they can pump in from anywhere they want. And so does McLaren, to be honest, with their road car. Uh, business coming in so yeah um i don't know I, i mean i one way or the other i really hope this gets solved out it uh, it sucks to have a team like force india not be part of the f1 grid um i hope maybe lauren stroll can help maybe rich energy can help maybe both of them can help or, or maybe you Mercedes, just you just uh, want a canadian Mercedes. formula one team to support don't you i don't actually i, I mean i mean i mean i'd love for canadian investment to come in because you know i love canada but i mean i just just also i'm indian so force india man that pride is there like you said let's have more lok sabha debates <laughs> <laughs> on the grid <laughs> competitive on the track ruthless um, off the track the sport absolutely ruthless either way is effective <laughs> either way it's the parliament um, it's the lok sabha yeah absolutely Absolutely. Well, let's see. Uh, a lot, a lot. I mean, I, I think this is a good way, good segue into the the summer break and also the next Grand Prix because a, a lot of unanswered questions could have answers. Which is one: What happens to the drivers? <laughs> I like how you put that on. Uh, a lot of one. unanswered questions could have some answers. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's been unanswered for a long time. So now they'll have answers. Peak performance. Uh, your mind is at today. <laughs> Thanks, man. I try, try my level, but it's because I'm hungry, bro. <laughs> uh, well, first, the first question: um, rumors of Esteban Ocon going to Renault. Um, Esteban Ocon obviously is a Mercedes driver, and Mercedes will have vested interest in making sure that 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 he's taken care of amidst all of this uh, uh, Force India rumors. So uh, there's rumors of Esteban Ocon going to Renault, and then Carlos signs. will also have to switch who is Carlos Sainz who's on loan with uh, from Red Bull to Renault uh, could go to another team so that's something that we need to keep an eye on as to where Sainz goes where Ocon goes um Daniel Ricardo is still to have a contract you, think, you actually uh, think Sainz will be asked to shift I won't be surprised I won't be surprised if that happens because uh Sainz was on loan with Renault Uh, he's had a good relationship with them, and he's he's been really good for them. But uh, considering the fact that he is a Red Bull driver, I won't be surprised if he actually. Yeah, well, it doesn't uh, seem that that has moved. Uh, the relationship over the engines doesn't seem to affect this relationship. Uh, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, it has. It'll be very interesting to see. Um, of course, it, this all this all does bank on maybe even Daniel Ricciardo's decision. Who, who you never know. You never know. If he stays on at Red Bull, if he doesn't stay on at Red Bull, Kimi Raikkonen—it's still to be determined what Kimi Raikkonen's plans are. Personally, I speculate that Kimi Raikkonen is going to stay another year. That's my speculation. But let's see. Maybe, maybe, maybe Raikkonen goes to McLaren. Maybe Fernando Alonso is taking part in the Indy next year, and maybe Ricardo and Sainz have other ideas. So 
a lot of Left unanswered to you, the questions. The entire grid would just be shuffled. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of reshuffling, and I think this this reshuffling will start happening as early as the Belgian Grand Prix. I mean, for 2019, but announced. Well, as we're in for a very Belgian interesting summer break. In for a very interesting summer break. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, yeah. Um, but the Belgian Grand Prix. Let's get back to the championship battle as well. Um, it's exciting. Twenty-four times, points. Twenty-four points. Right. It's At tight. this stage, Ferrari were going into the summer break last year. At this stage, Ahead. holding the lead over Mercedes, and everyone thought that this was now Vettel's uh, championship. Uh, turned Ooh. out quite differently. Yeah. Turned out quite differently, though. Absolutely, absolutely. And this time is the other way around. So let's see. But I somehow, mean, Ferrari still have the car. They still have the car. I just, but like you said, I mean, if if the if this season so far is any any justification. The margin for error is completely, almost nil. Uh, you can't make mistakes. I mean, like you said, like uh, Ferrari made the mistakes in the pits, and that cost them undercuts. That cost them the win uh, at Hungary. Um, Mercedes Vettel, have been Vettel made the mistake in Hockenheim, and that cost yep. them the race victory. Absolutely. Mercedes have been making their strategy errors at, during the VSCs, and that's cost them in some races too. So. Really, really exciting stuff. Really, really exciting stuff. Um, I am. I hope this goes to the very end of the season. That's what the F1 fan in me wants. But if it doesn't go to the end of the race, let's hope it comes to Ferrari. <laughs> um, and that's it. Any any final thoughts on the championship, Gotham? Well, only that we've again forgotten our auto rickshaw driver of the weekend. Holy hell! First of all, apologies. Sincere, sincere apologies. For not doing the auto rickshaw driver of the weekend um, in the in the last episode, uh, maybe you guys can send us some options. But auto rickshaw driver of the weekend is something I didn't even think of for this weekend. That's how much of I'm hungry and just want. Maybe, to get maybe it's because uh, Grosjean has been driving pretty well off late and being sort of under the auto rickshaw radar. So he has been. I think that's sort of thrown us off. Let's do it. The auto rickshaw driver of the weekend goes to Valtteri Bottas. For his impeccably defensive maneuvers, <laughs> he got flipped <laughs> off by help. Daniel Ricciardo when he got passed on the last lap. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. That was classic Ricciardo. I love that guy, man. Where's his heart on his sleeves? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Valtteri Bottas, complete auto rickshaw driver. There was, you know, crashes into Vettel, and then immediately afterwards, uh, when he comes around the straight uh, in the first corner, he crashes into Ricciardo. And this is just classic rickshaw driver behavior, you know. It was very much so. One it's guy overtakes like... him, and he gets pissed. And then the second guy comes. He's like, "No, not you as well. You stay yeah. behind me." Uh, did you see? But... Did you see the side pod after the race? The oh, it's destroyed. It was absolutely side... destroyed. It looked side like the pod was destroyed. His tires were destroyed. His front wing was destroyed. It looked like me playing Need for Speed back in the day. <laughs> no regard, absolutely no regard for the car. Just somehow win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. Oh, a quick update on the fantasy team, which I have not forgotten about. Murky Merck still holds strong. Um, the chart corner team's doing really well. It's in third position, so good on us, yay! And my team's doing pretty well as well. Fair enough. Fair enough. But anyways, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I hope you're well and uh, enjoy the summer break. Well, you know, I don't know how we're going to enjoy it with no F1, but try. And we'll see you on the other side. Until then, peace.